Welcome back, everyone. So it has been a week since our last episode dropped, but it feels like it's been a year. We're almost a week out from election 2020, and it's been a stressful time on social media. It's been very volatile, you know, lots of high emotions. You've got people who are elated, and then you've got people who are disappointed, upset, angry, hurt. And clearly it won't be the last that we hear of that. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about today's guest on Consenting Adults. He's very much the intellectual type. In fact, he taught me some terms I didn't know about. And he's married, has probably the most open marriage I've ever heard of, and says age has only made sex that much better for him. I've done threesomes before in university. They're much more fun at 40-something and sober than they were at 20-something and drunk. So, get ready. This is Consenting Adults. The conversations you're about to hear are intended for mature audiences. If adult themes are offensive to you, well, you might want to pull out now. So, dirty talk, so sex talk. Yeah, it it started off as dirty talk. I was actually, like, very excited to see my partner with somebody else. She looked at me and said, so you want to have sex with other people, that's what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) And you find it a turn-on to hear about what he did. Yeah, and then it's like, I want to come home and get it the way she got it. Does he know you have a boyfriend? Oh, yes. This is Consenting Adults with Lena Wynn. Some of you may know that the single female in the lifestyle is often referred to as a unicorn. Very rare. Everyone's looking for one, hard to find. Apparently, the male equivalent is known as a bull. And gosh darn it, we've got a bull in the china shop today. Uh, He is just around the corner from turning 50. Chris, I'm not sure how to introduce or describe you. So first, let me read your Tinder dating profile. Mm -hmm. It says, I'm the atheist, polyamorous, liberal-leaning, sex-positive, bi-friendly, erotic novelist, and sex blogger your mother forgot to warn you about, mostly as she passed out on reading the word atheist. So I've heard a lot about unicorns and about all the other stuff. I have not heard about a bull. Now, I know that, you know, these single females are, you know, considered rare in the lifestyle, there's got to be a ton of single males in the lifestyle. Are they all known as bulls? Well, there's absolutely a a ton of single males in the lifestyle. The terminology is usually for a gentleman, whether single or not, is really not the issue there, but uh, when he joins a couple. Okay. As you say, the equivalent of a unicorn, but going the other way. All right. So then when you describe yourself as bi-friendly, what does that mean? Bi-friendly means I'm not bisexual, but on the other hand, I'm not turned off if things kind of flow that way. I'm not looking for that, but I'm open to possibilities if things go that way and it's all consensual and everybody's happy with where it goes. I'm very comfortable when it goes towards bisexual a little bit. Because obviously there are a lot of men who are in the lifestyle, but they just do not want any sexual interaction with other males, right? Which is part of the demand on unicorns because they don't want other guys there at all. They're not comfortable with other guys, period. Yeah. Right. Okay. But you don't consider yourself bisexual? No. No, I don't go off looking for guys myself. I'm not interested in that. How far do you take that? So if you're bi-friendly, how far have you taken that? I have, actually, I have gone with a guy on my own once. I have topped a guy, as it were. So I can say I've done it. I've tried it. I know it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. So I have gone that far. Yes. Uh, Generally speaking, I keep it as oral as the limit. 
All right. So you're almost 50. I mean, it is around the corner. You're mm-hmm. single. What is your marital history? Have you ever been married? Okay. First off, I'm not single. I'm oh, actually you're not? A, no, I'm in a poly marriage. That's why you're on a dating website. Yeah. One of my other uh, profiles, it says sometimes I'm the stag, sometimes I'm the bull. And other times we're poly. My wife has other people that she sees. So it's also completely separate at times. Wow. Yeah. You guys got a lot going on. Yeah. Well, we've been open since the very beginning, eight years ago. Our third date was actually one of Toronto's swingers clubs. <laughs> so we were very open right at the beginning, both from traditional marriages prior, prior to that. And we realized neither of us worked for that. Before you got married to your current wife, mm-hmm. had you taken part in lifestyle type activities? Yes, actually, I was a bull for a few couples prior to that. And how did that start? Oh, that started because of my writing, actually. Uh, My sex blogging, I actually had some local readers on Twitter and one just around the corner here kind of reached out to me and invited me along and I got involved with her and her husband for a while. And that's something that you hadn't done before? Not at that level. No, I, I have joked that I've done threesomes before in university. They're much more fun at 40-something and sober than they were at 20-something and drunk. <laughs> so it's it's a very different, it's a maturity thing. It's much more enjoyable when you actually can pay attention to what's going on as opposed to having to numb yourself because you don't know how you're going to react. Right. That's one of the focuses of my show is that it's people 40 and over mm-hmm. who are living this incredibly active private life that a lot of people don't know about. Mm-hmm. And whether it's maturity, experience, uh, whatever it is, I think they're able to enjoy it more, express themselves more, explore more. Yeah? I think so. I think the maturity helps and the realization. This is something that I don't know that even people my own age generally realize is that you don't own the other person in the relationship. They don't belong to you. And you have to allow them that uh, exploration as they need. So that uh, once you realize you don't own them, suddenly the jealousy goes away. Mm-hmm. You realize that you also can explore. As long as you're doing it consensually, as long as you're doing it honestly, it's all good. Now, had your wife been involved in other activities before she married you? No, actually. In her case, she had not. She was a monogamous woman who then yep. got together with you. Generally vanilla, yeah. Uh, and when did you start to dilute this vanilla? Well, as I say, for us, it was right away. She read what I was writing already. Prior to this, I was solo poly and doing that for probably five, seven years. So she had read what I've already been doing, and that was intrigued her. And so we started from there. And so you've been together eight years? Yep. Eight years together, seven years married, yeah. And what are the different arrangements or activities that you both have participated in in those eight years, whether together or separately? She's been with couples. Uh, She's been with guys been with girls. Uh, Together, we've been in swinging situations. And I've had dates on my own with, uh, I mentioned once that I did try it with a guy. And but generally, I'm in with women. Like online, my persona actually goes against this, but I'm more of an introverted. So I don't go out very often. But any opportunity that either one of us is comfortable with, as long as we talk about it, we're good to go. Some people may ask, why be married then, if you're going to live as if you're single, where you have the freedom to be with other people. This is where it gets a little dicey with polyam, is there's a lot of people who don't like what they call the relationship escalator. They don't like primary relationships. 
But when you come into this as a married couple, that is a primary relationship. Your finances are interlinked, your family's interlinked with children or parents or whatever. And so there is a primary relationship here that we both come back to. And I have often said in regards to her being off on her own with another guy, I have to be her wingman, not her keeper. Mm-hmm. So hmm. it's the best relationship that I've had. And I can't keep her. I can't, uh, I, I, keep her is not the right term, but I don't want her to feel strapped in here and not have the freedom to go on. But she's still my wife. She's still the love of my life. She's still, that's not going to change. What other guys or what she does with other people, it doesn't matter. How old is your wife? 46. Do you guys have children? Uh, not from our previous relationships. Yeah, we're a blended group. I see. Are you pretty much open with your family and friends? Mostly. Uh, my parents, not so much. I'm a recovering Irish Catholic. It's a constant battle. Oh, boy. And it's a little one of the few things I haven't talked to my parents about. They know about me being atheist, but they don't know about this. Mm-hmm. But even our kids, because they're all teenagers plus now, and we were worried about them stumbling onto my writing, they're aware of what of our open relationship. But that's all they're aware of. They don't need to know anything else. They don't need details by any stretch. How often would you say you guys participate in, in these kind of activities, lifestyle activities? Since COVID started, not at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Prior to that, um, well, she had a regular boyfriend for about a year. So she was with him a couple times a week. And that ended recently, unfortunately, but it was regular. And prior to that, we might have been at our local swingers club once a month, maybe. The one closest to us is more of a nightclub thing. And I'm not a night guy. So we're not, that's not our realm. So we don't go very often. But sometimes just to, have a few drinks and just enjoy the ambiances and the live porn, as I joke about. Mm-hmm. Can you explain some of the terminology to me? For instance, I hear stag and vixen and bull, and I'm not sure what's what or who's who. Okay. A vixen, hot wife, same thing. Ah. It's a married woman who sees other men. And whether it's with her husband or without her husband depends on who you're talking to. Sometimes she goes off on her own. Sometimes the husband goes with her. Sometimes it's a three, whatever. The threesome, uh, the stag is the husband. And then the bull is the third, the second guy, the third person. Uh, I see. Okay. And would you say that there are different types of bulls? No, absolutely. But that all different types of people. You never know um, each personality, each mixture of chemistry is going to change the situation. And it's not even so much about the bull as it is just about personalities. The stereotype tends to be well-endowed, young, and big, like athletic, that type of thing. Whereas the term just started as simply a second guy. Mm -hmm. So it's one of these terms that has become something other than where it intended. And now it gets involved with the cuckold situation where there's also this theory that bulls sometimes humiliate the stag. And that's really not what it should be. But for some, it is. So well, and some people on, are into that, right? Some people are into that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cuckolding. the term now. Yeah. Cuckolding, which is another word that really didn't start out that way. And it's become about the humiliation. There's a lot of words attached to this that all changed their connotations over the years. Right. So what did cuckolding originally, what do you think cuckolding meant? Originally, it just meant that someone was watching their partner with someone else. It was just, that was it. Oh, I see. And then it became about the humiliation. People assumed, well, he must be humiliated. But now they've had to introduce a new term. And I think it was Dan Sab. I think it was Dan Savage who coined this for this lifestyle of compersion, which is uh, yes. the joy we get from seeing other people get joy. 
you and your wife also participate in in activities together, right? With other couples Absolutely. or other people or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're also polyamorous, meaning mm-hmm. it's not just sex. It's same yeah. with your wife, right? Yep. Yep. More for her. More for her. So far for me, it hasn't gone that far. Do you think it requires a different kind of man in a couple to want to bring a third or actually a second man into the equation? Because I've mostly heard of just, you know, the typical male who, you know, wants to see his wife with another girl. Mm -hmm. You don't hear too much about the man who wants to bring in another man. Yeah. And I think it goes back to me again, first off being the bi-friendly aspect. I'm cool with that. So if the the beams cross, streams cross, whatever the Ghostbusters reference is, it's not a problem. (laughs) But it's... I think one thing that a lot of men are, I mean, they're, they're afraid of the jealousy aspect, number one. So they're mm-hmm. afraid that this other guy is going to come in and take her from me, which is, if you talk with respect, talk with honesty with your partner, if you treat them with absolute, you know what, you have freedom to do whatever, as long as we discuss and I have the same rights, then you're not going to lose them to anybody. This is still, again, for us, a primary relationship. So for, for many, it shows an insecurity to me that they're afraid they're going to lose their partner to another guy mm-hmm. is part of it. And then the other part is uh, some of them are, again, afraid of that homoerotic aspect of it. They're too fearful of their finding out that they're not as straight as they thought they were, which is a shame because what does it matter? Mm-hmm. Society accepts more easily to women being sexually involved with each other. Mm-hmm. And some would even say, oh, they're, they're not lesbian. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. But they will say if two guys do anything with each other, they are gay. No way around it. It's like a hard rule. Yeah. And I don't agree with that. But yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. People do say that. But right. I think that's a silly um, notion. <laughs> right. So you don't uh, you don't believe that you're no. probably one of the few men who, who doesn't feel that way. No, I, I don't. I mean, you can perform gay activities. That doesn't make you gay. You know, you it's an activity is what you're doing. It's not necessarily a mindset. I have always wondered and asked because every man I've ever talked to has felt that if you are willing to do anything sexual with another man, you are gay. Mm. I've always asked them, but you would think that a man would know what feels best? Like, you know what I mean? Like, aren't you curious as to, you know, what oral sex feels like from a man rather than a woman because he has a penis. He knows what feels good. Um, and the reaction has always been the same, that they can't get it out of their head that it's a guy. Hmm. And to them, that's gay. Yeah, yeah. To and you, is it purely just a sexual activity that there's no... Yeah. There's no, like, emotion to it, right? In that sense, absolutely, yeah. For me, it's actually been a way to realize better what I need when I done this with other people, I realize, I start to understand my own needs better. What do you mean? Whether it's oral or hand or whatever, when I see how the other guy reacts, I start to understand my own reactions a little better. Hmm. I learn more about myself. So for me, it's a learning exercise. So it's, it's actually been very helpful, even though I don't do it very often. I gotta ask. Yeah. Mm. Are men better at giving oral to other men? No. They're not? No. <laughs> no, if you could, I think if you could do it to yourself, and I know some of them do, and that's a little awkward the way they do that, but if you could do it to yourself, that would be different because then you'd know what you need, then you would perform that way on other guys. 
Uh, no, because then the again, it comes down to each person is different. Exactly. Just like not every woman likes it the same way. Just like right. not every man likes it the same way. That's right. That's right. And whether, I mean, lips are gender in specific. Hands right. are gender in specific. That's not going to make a difference. It's more well, unless they're huge. No, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, because this seems like it's just like this is part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you could ever live a monogamous life? Not anymore. Not fully anymore. And I mean, as we get older, that may get that may change yet. I think you tend to go out less as you get older, but yeah. uh, I, I, at the moment, I can't see that because it's just, I've been through that and it didn't work for me. It was just the traditional expected relationship and it just had no, it could not work for me. It was the farthest from what I needed. Mm-hmm. And now with the way our situation is unfolded here and the freedom to explore that we've created between us, I can't see us ever going back to that completely. So that's you, but what are your thoughts on um, monogamy and humans? Do you think that we were made to be monogamous? No, I don't. I, I don't think we were. I think this is, I mean, I, I know the history sometimes they talk about goes back to land transfers and arranged marriages and things like that, which is where monogamy kind of came out of, and then religion took it. So I look at that and say, I don't think we were meant to be that way. And then we've learned to be that way. There's a lot of things that that we've been taught that just aren't the way things are. It's, it's a lot of history that have been colored by the people who have had the control of the history books, as it were. And I don't mean that as a conspiracy theory type thing. I mm-hmm. just mean, as they say, the history is written by the victor and the people who have, like the leaders of religion, they've written a lot of things that really aren't the way they are, but this is how people believe they are because of what they've been taught and what they've been told and traditions and it becomes too comfortable. Mm -hmm. So rather than fight the system, you just go along with that. So this is, I mean, polyamory has been around for centuries. It's just now becoming more front and center just as people are starting to question more. Mm -hmm. Lately, we've been feeling a lot more freedom, I think, to question little things like this and realize that not all has to be the way everybody is. We don't have to have dictated to us how to, live our lives. Can you talk about the different types of people uh, you end up uh, playing with or in relationships with who are in the lifestyle, whether it's polyamory or swinging or, you know, what, whatever? Um, because I think a lot of people still look at people in the non-monogamous lifestyle as, you know, the weirdos, the, you know, they don't seem normal to most other people. What kind of people are we talking about? Well, it's everybody uh, from every walk of life. All types we've run into. We've run into lawyers. We've run into sanitation engineers. We've run into teachers. We've it's people who mostly are very discreet because they don't want to appear out of the norm, who are normal, and this is just something different that they do. Since you have been writing about this and living this uh, for some time, do you see a change, a shift in society where um, non-monogamy isn't so looked down upon? Has that gotten better? Do you see it getting better? It is getting better. I think it's going to be a long time before it's look, not looked down upon. One advantage where we are, and I've voiced this many times, is that Toronto here to Montreal, I think, is 
I think it's the North American capital for the alternative lifestyle because of our more liberal politics up here. We're much more accepting of things. I've heard as many as 10% may live a poly-ish, polyamorous-ish life of some sort, but I think it's a little higher here because it's much more accepted in Canada. We went down to New York one time and found the swinging scene there was a bit frightening. It was actually <laughs> rather shocking because New York City, you think, is a fairly liberal city by American standards. But compared sure. to Toronto here, it's very clean. It's very classy. It's relatively out in the open. I mean, it's not out in the open showing off, but it's available to be found easily. Hmm. New York, we found that not so much, that it's kind of afraid to be seen. Interesting. So it's still looked down upon very much. It has gotten better, but it's going to be a long time before we get to that point where it's seen as equal, as with right. any movement of any sort. Sure. Sure. Now, when you talk about, you know, being more liberal minded and, and such, um, that's not to say that there aren't very conservative people in this lifestyle, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know that many conservatives are quite as open as we are about it. That might be the only thing that might differentiate there. I think right. they're, they tend to prefer not, that, not to show off that aspect of their lifestyle. Since you're up there in, in Toronto, uh, do you look at Americans differently and our viewpoints about sex? Just yes. like how Europeans, I like I talk to Europeans yeah. and they think they think Americans are pretty uptight about it. Uh, you are. And I say that having grown up in Colorado, actually. I'm originally Canadian, but I did grow up in Colorado. Uh -huh. So I have been down there and spent some time down there. But compared to watching from up here, and I say that knowing, I think it was Robin Williams used to call us an apartment above a meth lab. <laughs> and it's really an interesting experiment going on, watching how there's a lot of morality play going on that we don't experience up here in the same way. There's a mm -hmm. lot of shaming that goes on. There's a lot of, so it is very, yeah, it's, it's very squashed down there. You're very hard to, I guess, uh, get the point out that mm -hmm. we can, that this doesn't going to affect you. So why does it matter to you what I'm doing? That type mm -hmm. of thing. Um, have you ever been approached by two women, like a woman couple who want to bring you in? I have not actually, no. I've, I've seen it, but no, I haven't, no. Uh, so it's normally male-female couple wanting to bring you in? Usually, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I have had actually two males do that once, but I wasn't, again, that wasn't my thing. So I just, Oh, really? Yeah. Is there a turn-on for either bi or gay men to bring on a man who is not gay for this kind of activity? Do you, is there a turn-on there somewhere? Like trying I, to turn I, them or trying to whatever? I, I Not for me. I can't answer for anybody else, of course. Mm. I I could see some being that, but that to me is a bit of a backhanded way because you're, it's trying to control someone else, and I, I hate that. <laughs> I don't want to control other people. I want to. Um, so I, I I would imagine people could, but I, it's just not something that I could fathom myself. No. Right. Are there any kinks or fetishes or other stuff that you're into? Uh, generally, no. Uh, not specifically. Really? So you're just like a, a regular sex kind of guy? Do you just happen to be okay with... Uh... <laughs> I, I write a lot about BDSM, actually. And uh -huh. oddly enough, I don't do it. Uh, oh. But I've been told I'm very... I have a little bit of a little dom. bit of a dom edge to me, even though I'm not really by any stretch of dom. Mm -hmm. But I've been told that I have a lot of controlling, in a good way, aspects there. 
there, there's no sexual fantasy that you haven't fulfilled for yourself yet? Really not, no. No, we've been able to consensually explore everything within reason. Wow, you're, you are living the life, man. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I mean, mine aren't too wild, so that kind of helps. <laughs> I know there's some really wild ones out there, and it raises your eyebrows a bit. But again, your kink isn't my kink, so it's yeah. how it goes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about aging. So you are about to turn 50, mm-hmm. still very sexually active. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about the changes that that you've gone through? You know, I mean, remember when we were younger, we thought people at 40 were over the hill and old. Well, yeah. <laughs> you don't buy into that, right? Well, being we have a 15-year-old here at home who told us that we don't understand how kids are. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> so I, I think that in my time in this, I mean, when I was 20, I was still Catholic. I was still, I mean, this is when I was single. I was in university. I did the threesome thing, but it, it was the first discovery that, you know what, things are not quite as I've been taught. So I knew that there was going to be changes coming forward for me, and I moved on from there. But I was still, I myself was very conservative thinking. I thought I actually voted for the Conservative Party of Canada, and I sometimes shake my head and wonder what the heck was I doing. <laughs> I didn't realize what the difference was in my thinking compared to what it, uh, what I thought it should have been. And what my thinking was, was much more liberal. And it's come out now where the change to me is that I find it much more acceptable to show that. Mm-hmm. I find it much more acceptable that my, my last workplace, they knew what I was. Didn't care because it didn't affect anything. Wasn't like I flaunted it with anybody. Nobody had to know about it unless they wanted to talk about it. And I was cool to talk about it. And whereas at 20, I would not have been. So for me, it's the openness that has changed over the years. So you are freer to be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And because of my openness online, I, I'm unlike many, I don't have the require for, requirement for discretion in the same mm-hmm. way. I have right. no problem with being discreet for people. That's not a big deal to me. That, But I don't need it the way others do. At what point did you become atheist? Did it have anything to do with this other life sexually that... that that you were drawn to? Actually, yeah, it was the other way around and that atheism came first. I had a problem with a priest one time years and years ago, asked a question and got a lecture that just didn't work for me. So I started doing research and that was pretty much the beginning of the end. I did a university thesis on Douglas Adams and his Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that dragged me towards, because he was very much an atheist. So I have him and George Carlin that I blame for a lot of this. And then I was introduced, and this is where the other aspect, the polyam comes in, is that I was introduced to a scientist, Dawkins, who he wrote a book called The God Delusion. And at one point, he discusses how people can love two books, one neither better or worse than the other, different reasons for liking them. Doesn't matter, they can both be the same genre even. They could both be the same subject. You just, different reasons, but the same level. Like different foods. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean, you know, one day I want bacon, the next day I want pepperoni. Whatever. It's still, and then he points at your kids. And he says, do you love one of them less? So he says, why is it that you can only romantically love one person? Who decided this? And that kind of put that light bulb over my head. And do you think the confines of religion is preventing some people from discovering this world? Absolutely, yeah. There's a lot of, and this is again coming as 
from my experience as an Irish Catholic, there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of looking over your shoulder, what do the neighbors think? And it gets to a point for me where I'm past that now. And a lot of people, I don't think ever get past that. That's the problem is we've been taught that's important and it's really not. Mm-hmm. It's not important what the other people think of us. It's not important what they're doing if it doesn't concern us. Right. I mean, yeah, that's always been my thing about, I mean, judging women as many do is my theory is, you know, she can sleep with whoever she wants, however many she wants, as long as she's consenting and it's her business, it's not mine. Mm-hmm. You know, and people judge women and men that way, but men not so badly, unfortunately. Right. And I mean, unfortunate and that it's not equal, not that it's unfortunate. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, except that they still judge men when they're willing to be with other men. That's true. That is true. Yes, absolutely. And that way, again, same thing. That's really not my place to judge anybody. It should not be anybody's place to judge me. And religion does tend to hamstring you on that because they teach you there's certain morality that you have to live by. And I'm talking about the Christian religion. I can't speak to much else on that. But they do teach you that there's certain things you have to live by whether or not other people are involved. And that is where your limitations get questioned then. You know, if you have an impure thought, apparently that's a sin, according to the Catholic Church, even though you can't control stray thoughts. They're going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whether you act on them or another, that's a different story. But then if you, even if you do act on them, if it's not hurting anybody else, if it's not dishonest, if it's not unethical, what's the difference? So, um, Any last words on this lifestyle, being non-monogamous, consent, growing older, whether you're happy, free, anything? Well, my advice to anybody coming into this is always, first off, honesty and communication and communication and communication. And after you're done that, talk more. <laughs> you have to keep that line open between you and I, whether your primary partner, whether it's multiple partners, whatever. You have to keep talking, as Pink Floyd used to say. You have to keep that line of communication going or else then there's going to be problems. I mean, there's a lot of positive to it, of course, but there are a lot, there are some negatives that come in that nobody talks about. Like what? Uh, well, for example, I, I used this example to someone else earlier about a metamor, which for those who don't know, that's uh, when my wife has a boyfriend, he's my metamor. And when you have a metamor who comes into the system, into the system, into the dynamic, who maybe isn't as honest as we'd like, and we don't know that, and maybe isn't actually as interested in this as we thought he was and doesn't share that, there can be problems. It's hard to find people at the same level when you're introducing them into a new dynamic. It's hard to, you can't always do that. And it's the honesty, you have to find honest people and that's not easy. That's the problem with a lot of this. Would you say for for the most part, people in the lifestyle are good people, more honest people than, than what you would normally find? Is there a code that you don't out people? Is there a code that you're honest? <laughs> well, on outing people, it's, it's, uh, we've always we've run into people that we work with, and it's always kind of a sense of mutual destruction if you were to out anybody. So it just doesn't mm. make any sense. Uh, but one thing, and this is something I talked to my doctor about one time, and I, can, I have no stats to back this up, but my impression is, for example, on STDs, as a percentage I believe those in the lifestyle probably have lower STDs than those outside because we're honest about it. We make sure that we're protecting. We're open about protecting ourselves. And that, to me, is a sign that there is more honesty in this. Kind of like um, sex workers who 
you know, right? You think of them as dirty, but wait a second, they get tested. They use, you know, yeah. protection and yeah. uh, in some parts of the world it's regulated, right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, most people I'm aware of in this get tested a couple times a year. I know I do. So it's just to make sure it doesn't hurt. It doesn't take anything away. It just, it's part of the deal. So uh, when it doesn't work out, it, it can be bad, especially if you're trying to repair something in your relationship. But when it does work out... Yeah, it's just, it's very freeing. It's very joyful. And actually, one other thing I do tell couples who are coming into this is that if you're doing this to repair your relationship, don't. This is not how you do that. Uh, you have to come into this strong. You have to come into this together if you're already in a primary relationship. If you're coming in to repair it, you're just going to amplify problems. But that strength is you learn more about each other. You learn by watching, by paying more attention, and by talking, by communicating more. So yeah, it's, it's a very joyful experience once you get there. Chris, thanks so much for sharing your experiences with us. That's when it works out. Next time on Consenting Adults, when it doesn't work out. We talk to a woman who's been in a long marriage that's probably lacking many things other than enough sex, and that leads to poor body image, infidelity, including an affair with a very well-known singer. I would get so excited when he'd call me or text me, and it was a phone his wife didn't know about. Or, you were um, like schoolgirl all over again, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He loved hearing about what my favorite songs were, and I'd read his book. I read about his life, and... He loved it that I was so interested in him. He said, you know... And vice versa. Yeah. That's next time on Consenting Adults. Consenting Adults.